I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's episode, we have two guests, comedian Mickey D and musician Lawrence Summerfield. My name is Justin Hamilton and this Adelaide Artist Edition is considered heaps good. At Big Squid. Okay, you might be uh, a little bit confused. You might be hearing this for the second time. We had some technical issues with the first version of this podcast. Something happened in between me producing it and uploading it. I have a new computer. It's probably on me. So many apologies. So this is take two on this podcast and... uh, Let's get into it. This is a big week for Big Squid with two podcasts, uh, including this one, which you're listening to possibly for the second time. Uh, Today, my old pal Mickey D is on talking about growing up in the comedy industry, some of the ups and downs that come with that, especially focusing on what it's like when you lose sight of who you are when you're not performing. You've heard us talk about this a little bit before, specifically Ben and I. You can sometimes lose sight of who you really are and uh, become your character on stage. So we have a chat about that. We talk about his upcoming fringe season and uh, his new side profession of being a full-time personal trainer. So that's pretty funny, (laughs) actually. I reckon he'd be a great PT. Uh, Then we have a new friend of mine, Lawrence Summerfield. He's a young musician I met in Adelaide through some mutual friends. I was really impressed with Lawrence and he talked to me about his first ever album that's coming out soon. So I asked if he wouldn't mind sending me some music. I had a listen to the track. It sounded great. And I thought, well, why don't you come on and let's have a chat about the start of your career. And uh, He was even kind enough to let me play one of the tracks at the end. So that's pretty cool. So that's all in today's podcast. Then on Friday, I'm releasing the first episode of our new segment, Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. 
This has been in gestation for a little while now, and I'm very excited to add a storytelling aspect to the podcast. Once again, we've talked about this a little bit, but even though I love making this podcast, uh, you know, essentially you're a reporter. Like you're talking about other people's work and I didn't want to lose sight of why I got into this industry in the first place. I like telling stories. I like writing stories. I like telling stories on stage. So basically uh, what I wanted to do was incorporate that love into this as an ongoing part of Big Squid and I'll be writing brand new stories for you and I also have Sean Allen who is uh, producing these stories. You'll know Sean Allen's work. He's the one who's producing Ben's new podcast, Thank God for David Attenborough and we have more stories to tell in the upcoming months. Now, it's an anthology, so sometimes they'll be comedies, sometimes they'll be serious, sometimes they'll be uplifting, sometimes they'll be melancholic. It's an anthology, so I want to give you as many different types of tales as I can, mainly because I also have lots of different interests. I like all sorts of different stories, so I want to keep you wrong-footed. I want to be giving you uh, different flavors as we move along, and this will be a new part of the podcast that will give me a freedom to explore these genres right here. So that will drop on Thursday, and I'm very excited to get that into the regular rotation. Uh, On Patreon last night, I'm recording this on Tuesday, and on Monday night, uh, I had uh, one of my subscribers, David, email me a very nice email, and he was uh, making uh, some suggestions of things he would like on the podcast, which, to be honest, I like some of his suggestions. It just means, uh, you know, I have to find more time in the day to make them happen, but one in particular, I, I was really keen to get up and running, but... Something he brought up was interesting to me because he said, sometimes I can't tell when you talk about a movie whether you like it or not. Now, this confused me because this is the actual creed of Big Squid. And I feel like I bang on about this all the time. But this is the podcast where you can listen to me catching up with my friends to discuss the art and entertainment we love. But I had to think about it, and maybe some of you have forgotten that, or maybe some of you are brand new to the podcast and didn't realize this. Uh, So not a bad message from David, and I figured some of you might not be aware. Like, you know, just because I talk about E.T. for an hour and a half, and I talk about how much I love it, maybe you don't realize I love it because I didn't say I love it. So... Just a reminder, the Big Squid podcast is where we celebrate all types of art and entertainment. It doesn't mean we can't be critical of what we love. And let's face it, just approach it this way. You can love your child, but you can also think they're an hat sometimes, right? Doesn't mean you love them less. You're just critical of the fact that they don't always get it right. So yes, we can be critical, but when we are critical, it comes from a place of love. Like, sometimes it's just a little bit disappointing. It's just a suggestion of where we thought it could have been better. It doesn't even mean you have to agree with us. But we do come uh, at everything with a, a sense of love. And to be honest, this feels like the most rebellious act you can do at this point in life is create a podcast where you say you love stuff, even when everyone is screaming at you that you're wrong. And the internet is a very ugly place full of very ugly people who all think they're right. We don't necessarily think we're right. We just know we're right about how we feel about things. And we're going to hopefully talk about stuff in a way that gives you an opportunity where if you loved it, 
you can join in and, uh, you know, see if you agree with the things that we love or not, or if you love different parts. Or if you disagree, maybe we will give you an angle that will help you jump on board and maybe not love something, but maybe you'll like it a little bit more. Maybe take the edge off your dislike of something. So, look, uh, I find it is a good approach to everything, to be honest, is just try to love everything, you know, or at least go in optimistic, you know, it's it's okay to just enjoy stuff that is fine. Like sometimes something that's fine, it's easy to focus on the negative and therefore miss out on the bits that were quite good. So let me give you an example. Uh, the book of Bob, Boba Fett, not brilliant, but I enjoyed it enough. Not enough to talk about week to week, although uh, if you check my site, bigsquidpod.com, for my thoughts on Mando and Bobby, uh, Baby Yoda, uh, you'll have some... Uh, some thoughts on it there. But anyway, I enjoyed it enough, but not enough to talk about it week to week. And you know what? I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough to watch it. It was fine to be watching it while I ate dinner. And, you know, towards the end, I got some of the stuff that I really do enjoy about that universe. So anyway, it's just a reminder, the creed of this podcast, and that's also why... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I know what I'm about to say And this is an opportunity for the Big Squid community to have a drink That's also why you won't hear us talking about the shape of water Right? Because you know how Ben and I feel You know how Ben and I and some of my other friends feel about that film You might love it That's good We did not Guess what we're not talking about on this podcast? The shape of water So just remember Everything is through the prism of being into it So Uh, Thanks, David. I actually really appreciated the email. We had a fun back and forth uh, last night, but it was uh, a good suggestion for me to remind everyone about what we're doing over here at the podcast. Uh, Also, at the Patreon, you can access scripts for the podcast, works in progress. Uh, The Patreon subscribers have already heard a rough treatment of our first episode of Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted, so they're a little bit ahead of the curve on where this is going to go. Uh, There's also one-off specials over at the Patreon, and one of the rewards that everyone receives is an episode dedication, and our Patreon shout-out today goes to James Thorne. I've had a bit of contact with James and off the back of our last interaction, I'm very excited to let you know that I'm dropping the next David Lynch episode next week that covers the Twin Peaks European movie. That's right, the European movie. Some of you might not know that that is something that exists. Uh, FYI, Ben didn't know about it before we recorded that podcast, but I'm releasing that next week. And James, I agree, I love the idea of a potential universe where David Bowie and Chris Isaac are together exploring the Twin Peaks Black Lodge. So I hope you enjoy today's episode, James, and thanks for being a part of the Big Squid community. Uh, If you'd like to sign up, head over to patreon.com forward slash justinhamilton underscore big squid to access all the extra podcasts and scripts that are available over there. Okay. Let's bring in my old pal who has performed all over the world and, interestingly, was a cast member of the inaugural SAS TV show in the UK. I personally couldn't think of anything worse, but he had a great time. He's an absolute delight, and you'll really enjoy this very candid conversation with him. Please welcome to the podcast stage, Mickey D. 
The weird thing about us being in 2022 is that I can remember your very first stand-up show. And I'm really curious because you, you did your first one in the last year of the previous century, which is also a weird sentence. Is, is there anything from that first show that you kind of look back on and, and kind of can see something thematically that's followed you all the way through? Or is there something there that has just kind of uh, been following you around the periphery of what you do even now? Yeah, I reckon it's that, uh, that yearning for that immediate connection. Yeah. Whether, you know, however my means to get in the room or, you know, up on a wave, so to speak, with the crowds slightly changed, but for that, original gig i think that's where the biggest kind of rush and hook came it's like how can i feel that fresh each time you know it's like chasing that lightning in the bottle so to speak so yeah i felt it the first time on stage there um it was my first time performing for a group of adults on a thursday night right it's on rumble street you know so but prior to that it was high school debating like two months earlier it was high school debating or maybe yeah. performing at Maricel Reguard's 18th birthday party. <laughs> half her family was Belgian. The other half were Filipino. It's a big, mate. Yeah. Um, so then to walk into a comedy club, a purpose-built kind of feel, and, you know, have Adam Hills bring me on. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, so just the theme that's kind of been there is just, yeah, get in the room and find that connection. I like a pretty well lit room yeah um you know or you know the, the candlelight from cabaret tables that you can slow see that soft glow of someone smile hopefully smiling face <laughs> i often find that one face that isn't smiling and isn't it funny that one always sticks out this face oh mate mate it is the worst one to focus on you know you can have 699 people loving you and then there's that one person who looks like they're you know <laughs> taking a shit and they're the ones that you can't stop looking at yeah and, and like and you'd spend 10 minutes trying to win them over That's yeah why just yeah I, I had a guy um i don't know if he was trying to get in my head or not uh i i opened for troy kinney once right and this guy in the front row was like uh what's wrong with your socks i'm <laughs> like what do you what do you mean he goes your socks you've you folded them down. And I'm like, yeah, mate. Uh, and and I'm, I'm used to playing some of the toughest rooms in the world and right. thriving in that scenario. But the, I couldn't get past him not being able to get past I folded my socks down. <laughs> it's so weird, the things that will throw you. <laughs> but, you know, as you've said, you've performed in some of the toughest rooms in the world and you've battered away so uh probably many more aggressive heckles in your time. Maybe it was because it was a question. It was like, it, probably in the back of my head, I've gone, ah, he's rumbled me. I, 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 I didn't feel right when I folded these down. Right. Found my, he's found my, you know, why didn't I, why did I buy the crew socks? I should have got the ankles, but you know, but not the ones where you can see the ankle. And then that's running in my head. Yeah, right. <laughs> then, you know, three second pause feels like three minutes. Right. And the fear sets in, they've gone there, people are staring, gonna say something. I've gone which isn't anything. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was baffled. Mate, this And I was going, mate, what's your problem with my socks? Can't you move on from my socks? Uh, <laughs> I'd be in all sorts of trouble if someone had managed to work out that I'd put on my right shoe first because I'm back from my basketball days. It was some dumbass superstition that somehow grafted itself onto me when I was a kid that you put on your left boot first. I think it's because when you take free throws, you always put your left foot forward first to kind of line yourself up. And if someone had worked out uh, that I had put on the right one, yelled out, why would you put your right shoe on first? I'd be like, I don't know. The gig's over. Thank you very much. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the cab. Oh, they know. They know. Were they by chance the red uh, Converse boots? Oh, they were the red Converse boots. Yeah. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. those. Not much I don't remember, hey? Man, it's amazing. Like I was talking to our friend Limo recently and there was, I can't even remember what it was that came up, but I said, ah, look, I know Mickey wasn't there, but I'm going to call him because he'll somehow remember. <laughs> oh, man. Is that yeah, a curse? It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there's things you want to let go, right? <laughs> and you just oh, can't. totally. I can replay stuff in great detail and go, oh, and it's it's funny. Uh, you know, there's muscle memory, right? Just mm-hmm. coming back from injury and, you know, your, your body kind of goes, all right, I'm used. These neural pathways are set. They're there. And you can gain momentum and recover and gain fitness back pretty quickly. Muscle memory. Fat also has a memory. And oh really? Was, yeah, I I, I, don't, I wish I had some more links for you guys to go and follow up. But trust me, I from my own experience, uh, long uh, long runs like we're talking three four hours plus. Yeah. Um, some dark stuff comes out. Right. Ugly memories. Like one day in in the guts of a, an ultra marathon, this thought come up in my head. It was like, man, why did you say that to her in year nine? <laughs> I had that with I had that with um uh the first lockdown. I, I found my dreams were full of weird ass memories that yeah just didn't need to come back. These files, yeah, we'll, we'll run that one through your subconscious tonight. That's uh, plenty of time. You'll probably have a snooze at uh, in the afternoon tomorrow. We can finish the business. Oh, it'd be great. I uh, I remembered from grade five, uh, a kid at my school, Ross Murphy, used the term skit, and I corrected him and said it's sketch. And I remembered that in uh, woke up from a dead sleep with that memory and then had to fight the urge to get onto Facebook, hunt down Ross Murphy, and then send a long, you know, explaining email. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, you probably don't remember me, but here's a moment of irony. I've been working in comedy for 28 years and you once said and blah, 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 and I was wrong and I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you in a marathon, that's worse. longer than the sketch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... <laughs> That's why I didn't send it. Nobody needs a setup that long. But how about uh, in in the middle of your career, how many times have people come up to you and called it a sketch? Oh, yeah. That is actually a good point. I've had it uh, called a sketch quite a bit. And you just go, it's neither. Now, I want to, yeah, I'm now a one liner comedian at a protest. <laughs> just to prove a point. Uh, so what you've had that in marathons when you're running and then suddenly you're getting all this uh, stuff yeah. from your past that you're like, no, I don't need this. You know, whether these doubts or fears or unfinished business is locked away in, you know, fat cells and as your, your energy system, you know, kicks over and starts burning fat fuel, 
or you know you're more vulnerable you you know you're in a headspace where you're just considering you know that that old filing cabinet i've had some real bizarre dark shit come out and it's like mate bit busy <laughs> this pain uh, don't need don't need the mental anguish now and, and then you go, oh look there's the brandenburg gate <laughs> Focus, focus on the gate. <laughs> it's a it's a weird game. It, 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 do you burn off the fat and the memory with it? So is this kind of like the last time the memory bubbles up and then it's gone, or does it? That'd does be a the good deal? That'd be great because then and, you know. But knowing me, I'd probably discuss it in a podcast in coming years. That's my problem. Yeah, that's it. Get no. This <laughs> is this is once again the curse that we were talking about. Yeah. So. Uh, Mickey, what what is the most interesting or most surprising uh, development that you have noticed in your career? Like something from when you first started to where you are now. When you look back, what is the thing that you've learned that has surprised you the most? Yeah, I stumbled on it, and I was like, "Oh, of course!" It was, it was such a such a win that you could actually get more by doing less. It's the only time I've had more results through not trying as hard. Right. And so, and I stumbled on it. It was one day, it was in Liverpool. I was on stage, a uh, great club called the, the Slaughterhouse. And friendly gig doesn't sound very friendly, but uh, I walked on stage just knackered, absolutely knackered. And since then, I haven't bothered with throwing out an opening line or a joke or something prepared because it's, you know, it's a risk. It's an it's an offering. So I only stumbled on it this night. I went out there. I'm exhausted. I, you know, I've been training uh, for a multi day event. Uh, I'm a new father. Um, driving up, battling up the motorway. Just just life. I'm knackered. I finally get on stage, let my guard down, and just go, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's like that, right? <laughs> and they all laugh, and I'm like, fuck, I've got them. Right, got him. I haven't had to do an opening joke. I've, I've just, I've got in the room with them by just letting go instead yeah. of chasing them. And for years, uh, and even as a host, I come out and go, "Come on!" Even in Australia, uh, this is where it gets. You know, no one wants to be rattled like this off the top, cold room. Come on, fuckers! Yeah, for a big night. Come yeah, go. Yeah, for a big night. And the audience are like, "Yeah, that's why." That's why I put it in the diary, mate. That's why we, we, you know, we come to town early and use the high-rise car park. I hate them. We're here. We're, we're ready. Yeah. I need, a, I need a ram to show down our bloody throat, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so for years, I was just trying to really kick the front doors in. Yeah. So yeah, just to find out I could get more done and, you know, achieve more through doing less and slowing down. Yeah. How far into your career were you when you... Nah, fifteen years. Yeah, it is. It it it, it seems to be the fifteen year mark where you finally settle into who you are as a stand up, right? Yeah, totally. You know, a bit of uh, you can ex you're comfortable enough to explore the hurt, be vulnerable, add that full range. Uh, dare I say, as an as an artist, you know, all the all the colours at your disposal. Um, and but it was just a relief not to have to grind and hustle all the time up there. You could still get everything across. But then, um, then you you know you want to call describe it as tapping into the dark side. If if you're blue, uh, and especially in the UK, when I was at my lowest, uh, 
uh, I was having some of my best gigs because the Brits were like, oh, this man's unhinged. This <laughs> and I'd, I'd turn up at these gigs like half smashed. Uh, I'd top up. I'd have a, I'd have a beanie on. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy to hear now. Yeah. Then it was just like I, I got home from being on tour in the UK for three years, and all my cousins, my uncles, calling me Guy Sebastian. I didn't know who Guy Sebastian was. I go, huh? I had this big kind of. I remember. Yeah. But so I'd, I'd, I'd take the beanie off midway through a rant in the show, and it was just the timing. Like I'd be just listing all this, you know. Ah, oh, you know, this is going on, and I was just being, you know, really exploring that tragic clown vibe, uh, at high energy on stage, you know, in, let's say, Surrey, Hampshire, where all the bankers live. So they're seeing an Aussie who's unhinged, who's, you know, all grungy, takes his beanie off and the hair's like... Yeah. <laughs> it just springs out. Yeah, it was just like a, a big clown act. So, to you know, to know that I, I can go there if I want, but then, much like Richard Pryor, he had the ability to bring it, all the way back in and slow it down as well. So yeah, it took me about 15 years to realize that you could enjoy having some range. Yeah. It's important to not buy into your onstage persona as well, because that's a, that's always changing. I think we're all guilty of this or not guilty, or uh, maybe a better word would be a victim of this at certain periods in our career. Some people can never shake it, you know, like they can never shake it. And, some of those people are essentially people that I fundamentally like, but I can't hang out with them anymore because you can't chat like this. It's like zing, zing, zing. I just said something serious. Zing, 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 zing. And you're like, no, 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 this is too much. Leave my left hand. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I live one show. Yeah, I got spat out the other side of myself. Through there was a year I decided, I think it was 2009, one of my New Year's resolutions was, you know what? I'm not going to take any shit anymore. Thing is, Jay, no one was giving me any shit. Oh, yeah. So I went out looking for it to push back. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It, it was a great show. Um, got nominated again, but I was a cunt. Right. I scared people at the venue. My My friends gathered around me and tried to stage an intervention, which I thought was hilarious. I, I think we'll make a great scene in a film one day. Right. Like everyone, you know, had some of Cal Williams magic tablets, right? <laughs> and it was one of those great parties, and that was the era, right? Right. Um, they were all feeling great. And then I look around and I see this kind of affirmation circle develop, and I'm going, oh, oh, oh no, no. And it was like, they were, you know, they could see me for what was going on. I was, I had become, um, yeah, I had become the act. The show that year was called Barb Dwyer. And I was trying to be kind of, uh, yeah, I guess aggressive, abrasive. There's some themes in there that were really kind of um, bold and challenging. And it was a great show. But, yeah, I became it. I... I, I lived it and it was, yeah, it, it cost, it cost me some friends, but friend, real friends, you know, the ones that come back and understand and help you through it. It's funny, isn't it? It's like when we're younger, you know, 
it's, it's the same with actors. People who kind of uh, buy into the role and they're the role at every point in their day while they're doing it. it there's something when you're young or especially when we were young, there was something kind of mystical about it. There was something kind of romantic about it. It felt like you were a true artist. But now as you get older, you look back and you go, hey, just like have a sandwich, mate. Like, yeah, mate. It's okay. It's like you're doing a fair bit of extra work there, mate. You need to sit down. Yeah, no one gives a shit. <laughs> and and you come over here. Someone's just needed a blanket. That's a thing too. Right. That's all that was needed. Right. <laughs> it, it is. Oh, you're dangerous, mate. Oh, you're dangerous. Look at him. It's like, yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm lucky I didn't get me block knocked off. Well, I did a couple of times. I got a couple of good real punches in the head, but I can I can take a punch in the head. But um, I was I was out instead of sitting down. We all have different ways of, you know, collating um, content. Mine was going out, living it, and then coming back and reporting it. Right. Uh, I couldn't really sit down and bang out the paragraphs. It just reek of prose. I'm not a right creative writer, but as far as my my stuff was like, it's good to be back in Bristol. Tell you what, last time I was here, I got arrested by a fucking horse. Right. And that would be, and then I'd come in, try and get in the room with them like that, tell them my last time I was here story, and then pepper and pepper some material in around that for example but yeah you can't it was just nicer later on in the days just to go to bristol and sit down in the cinema instead of trying to yeah. create some material by being a fucking idiot on the riverbank right <laughs> what was the uh what was the moment that uh pulled you out of this uh approach was it uh anything particular did this i've i've never been a part of an intervention before or been on the receiving end of one that's why i never go to her parties just in case it is going to be one so yeah so did did that actually help in any way or what happened oh, nah the intervention i've gone is like we i think the line was oh we love you man i've gone of course you fucking love me we've all just thrown about 370 bucks worth of pingers down our guts you know what the problem is you're all soft. So I was still push back, push back, push back. Right. It was, it was the consistency of uh, a good wife, a family, and just more responsibilities and reality, really. And just going, hang on. That's, uh, and getting used to the word alcoholic without the stigma. It's, right. You know, it's not a burden. It's just something that doesn't sit with me anymore. It didn't agree with me. Yeah. It turned me nasty. Uh, and you know what my personality is like. It's either on or off. It's right. pretty simple. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to turn it up to the, the max. And, yeah, that year my show, uh, it was written or um, kind of structured where I'd open the theatre door and yell into the bar, whiskey. And for the first few shows, it was apple juice. But then I was like, ah, let's take it up a notch. And then they'll bring me in whiskey. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I have two or three whiskeys uh, during the show. And because I was often out the door looking for more trouble or more gigs, I forgot to uh, apologise to the bar and, and the staff at the venue and let them know that it's all part of the show. It just, yeah. So when you look back and things like that going, oh, I was living it too hard, forgetting, you know, the collateral damage and 
who I really am, which is, you know, I, I grew up in hospitality. I understand, you know, I, I understand people want to feel safe in their workplace and enjoy it there. And so I was just getting away from me. So just, um, yeah, by whether it was, uh, you know, the, the booze getting a, a grip on me um, and me, you know, and hiding behind the fact that I'm being dangerous. It's like, nah, you just, you just being a bit of a cat, mate. Yeah. Do what, 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 why do you think that developed? Because when you first started, your stand-up was always uh, high energy, but very cheeky. You were you were naughty. That's what your persona was, which really suited you because you started at a very young age. But where, what, what do you think uh, swapped it over from naughty to being nasty? Uh, I was lonely, I reckon, and it was just uh, just sitting there, uh, bitter. Uh, alone just you know, having more thinking time no one is a sounding board no one you know for example now I might uh, you know make an offish comment what you know watching the telly with my partner or some mates having a good mate or a, a partner who'll go actually call me out on stuff yeah I had no soundboard so all my bitter dark thoughts just went back through rinse and repeat and Form, formulating new opinions and standards and then getting that out on stage, having it affirmed through after, be it shock value or, you know, it was, yeah. And there was that wave of, you know, shock comedy being a thing before people stopped to take a breath and considered, you know, concepts like othering perhaps or, you know, flat out misogyny. Um, you know, homophobia, all the stuff that was like, ah, oh, no, nah, just men in good faith, mate. You know, Some yeah, friends are puffs. It's like, yeah. it doesn't wash anymore, mate. Yeah, it's like, come on, think about that. Um, and yeah, so the, the, yeah, I think the big one for me was, the, hey, grappling with that term, um, othering. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's it's an inclusive art form. That's why we're so blessed. You know, you, um, I remember coming back down the A40 after uh, some gigs out in the west of England into central London and we got pulled over by the police uh, and the police looked in the car and it looked really bizarre. You've got an Aussie in the back seat. You've got, uh, you, you've got a um, Car- Caribbean uh, first generation uh, black, black dude in the back. You've got um, a Pakistani girl with a hijab driving the car yeah. and, and, you know, and a blind guy in the front. It's like wherever else would you meet? Where else right. is that kind of diversity celebrated? And we've got such such an opportunity to work with and amongst people from all walks of life. Um, so yeah, that kind of that honour to be you know around that amount of uh, diversity really helped shape me because I've been travelling since I was what. 19 really yeah left australia early didn't i yeah yeah really early and uh also uh, that's a really good point you know this is a an industry which can have anyone in from anywhere be a part of it so why create these barriers that are unnecessary Mm -hmm. yeah totally you know and but then there's that over trying to then explore and not being caught and being being over familiar, you know, those in-jokes you might say with your friends, mm. uh, it all comes down to intent and it's, everything's everything's still a very, very thin line these days. The, but I, I think 
uh, that cheekiness is still in me and I still like to, you know, poke, rattle a few cages here and there. But um, now as a, I'm more, I think I'm more considerate that I, yeah. not, it's not just me. It's I'm seeing stuff through a filter as, you know, a father of a daughter, a father of a son who's, uh, I, I think he's got my ADHD. Good on him. There's some, there's some fun challenges to have. Right. But when you see this digital kind of footprint of us from, 2022 <laughs> but, and, and good on you mate you're playing for the west coast eagles we worked hard and we got you there yeah great <laughs> but, you know as a father a, a husband um and now um when covid hit um i pivoted um is the industry died you know um and I, I didn't really jump on and create a digital platform i thought what's what else gets me going and working with people and, and helping them develop. So I got my accreditation as a PT. Right. Yep. Which has been great. Now you've always been like, it was one of uh, your funniest tricks when we were younger, because you uh, don't necessarily have the physique of someone who can run really quick, but <laughs> you're really quick. And the amount of times that you would challenge people to races and blow them off the field was hilarious. It's a good party trick, isn't it? Because I always ran stairs, especially when I was living living in Edinburgh, getting ready for you to come and join me. Was it was it two thousand Edinburgh? That was two thousand and one. Oh crikey! Yeah, that's right. I brought in uh, <laughs> I brought in Hogmanay two thousand and one, and then August that year. So I always ran stairs uh, two at a time. Love sprinting. Um, it wasn't wasn't a distance runner yet, but yeah, that was my party trick. You know, you know, when you had a party and someone others you, they, you know, da 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 da, big yeah, oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. oh your man titties, that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, look, I'll give you a couple more warnings, then I'm gonna make a prickier. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna throw down. You're gonna call me that one more time. We're gonna have a running race. We're gonna stop the party. We're gonna go out the street <laughs> and see what happens. And just to make it interesting, we're gonna run uphill. Yeah. And, and and just to make it extra interesting, we're going to do it 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Miko needs a chocolate milk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and it's good. It's good it worked fun, every time. It, it did. <laughs> Man, that was just, a, it was just an ongoing problem. I win the race, celebrate with chocolate milk, keep that bulk, and <laughs> spin into the next race. Yeah, but that, that's what uh, helped you uh keep uh, throwing them off the scent and uh, also the look on their faces when you would be powering ahead, you know, it's, it's better than getting into a fist fight. It was always oh, like totally. you'd, you'd warn them and it always would feel like, okay, where's this heading? I knew where it was going, but then you'd be like, all right, let's do it. Let's race. And you'd see them say, huh? I loved it because there's a few, the few times that happened in Scotland, you'd hear, <laughs> you'd hear three, two, one and get someone to do it a clap for the start and that it's the first I'd say first five yards you've really got to dig deep and get that propulsion happening and more often not you hear this oh you bastard yeah (laughs) I got him yeah at the start (laughs) they're seeing you disappear into the distance up the (laughs) damn hill that was uh the fringe that you you Tom Gleason me uh, I forget who else uh we all played cricket oh Drew oh yeah yeah we played cricket against the UK. Oh, mate. We, uh, a bit of streaking as well. Yeah. And those, remember those, uh, 
those guys took it really seriously. Though London, there's a, a certain uh, some actors. I can't remember what. It might have been from London's Burning. Uh, there's a pretty big series there, and they're up doing some Shakespeare. We had two fights that year, you and I. Yeah. We uh, Guy Matheson did uh, Macbeth with Cockney gangsters instead of swords, they had guns in it. Yeah. These 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 young posh lads from drama school trying to be geezers. Yeah. And they come into our show. Remember they they heckled. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was seething. I was about to I was about to throw down with them out the out the front. But then the other time, so we had a well, <laughs> I had a chip on both our shoulders on our behalf. Yeah. Uh, about a British actors. So when it came to that match, um, uh, <laughs> with two balls to go, and they needed um, they they were going to get the runs. They needed yeah three runs off and over. Right. Yeah. And then with two balls to go, I just declared. So they didn't yeah. get to hit the winning run. <laughs> uh, if there's any cricket fans listening to your pod, basically what I've done is just, yeah, I've just closed the shop before they could spend their money. Yeah, so they <laughs> never got that satisfaction. And uh, I remember we, uh, you, Tom, and I were incredibly hungover. <laughs> they turned up and they'd been like, you know, they'd gone to bed early. <laughs> they were up fresh and it's like, isn't this meant to just be a fun game of cricket? Like, what is happening here? What the matching clothes? Oh yeah, so bizarre. So you you've always had a uh, an interest in fitness and uh, and uh, a desire to go back into it. But before we get into what you're doing now, the you were on was it SAS UK? Was that the one that you were on? Because I didn't know that, and then I'm like. You know, it's late. I've come home. You know, when you're just kind of playing around, flicking channels, whatever. And then I see an advert and it's you. Yeah. Oh, mate. It was the best. I always say this. It was the best holiday I've ever had. Because, right. you know, money can't buy. It was uh, a departure from the norm. It, you know, a chance to forget everything else, empty your head and just, you know, and, Look, we've had some great holidays together, you know, and yeah. been in the thick of it. But uh, I was—I I should have picked someone else. I was just about to say, but there's no way we would have spent 22 hours of the waking day with each other, whereas you and I did. <laughs> we, 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 wrong guy. But you yeah. know what I mean? You go on holiday with someone and, yeah. okay, you have a 10-hour kind of tour with them, you hang and you go yeah. back to your room and decompress. I was in the thick of it with the... the I'm still in contact with from 2015. We're still on a WhatsApp group. Uh, this is Series One SAS. Uh, who dares wins uh, in Australia? It's called SAS UK. Right. Or the celebrity version. Um, so yeah, got battered by uh, British special forces, uh, and because it was the first, I'm not trying to big it up, but because it was the first season, it was pretty raw. They weren't. It was much like the actual selection process for. Um, the SAS, you, you're not. In, there's no encouragement. You have to be a self-starter. Uh, there's no, yeah. There's no positive feedback. Uh, there's constant disruptions. It's all the stuff you're seeing on the TV, but other other stuff that you know that doesn't make the edit. Like I genuinely thought I was uh, the tap on my shoulder. Like we were. Uh, the thing called the sickener. Now the sickener is uh, what they probably do on day four. Or the first try, the first cull that they want, they want you to either withdraw 
or they find out who doesn't have the minerals and they just off them. Right. They'll run you for four hours. They'll say, okay, breakfast, get in there. You get one, you try and throw some food down you really quick. Uh, and that's the mistake you make. Uh, they get the fuck back out in house. So they run you out again. People are vomiting because they tried to eat, but it's that whole stop, start, stop, start type thing. And it basically goes until they cull however many they need to that day. Right. But because it was telly, and everyone's been training. No one wants to give up. So this thing went for seven hours. Oh. Leopard crawling through uh, frozen streams. We're you know, up, up embankments, racing each other. They're screaming at you. Pay. This haunts me to this very day. Uh, it was like, it was a Scottish guy, uh, Colin McLaughlin, uh, started with the Black Watch in Scotland, then SAS um, selectee, and he's done some pretty amazing stuff. He was chilling. He goes, uh, trust me when I say this, it pays to be a winner. Right. And the concept behind that is you, you're going to be in the grind all day. You get back here in first place, you rest. The rest keep going around and around this horror course until you're front of the pack. So you know, the methodology there is if you're mid-pack, you're going to have to dig deep and yeah. rest. Otherwise, you're just in that grinder all day or you fall off and you, you lie by the wayside. So, yeah, I learned heaps of stuff. I took the skin off my ankles day one. So I was injured from, injured from the get-go. I, uh, I lasted six of the eight days. It was incredible. I got, yeah. I, got abduct, I got ambushed and abducted and kidnapped by special forces guys. Right. Um, it was like um, it was it was like Sean Penn buying Michael Douglas the ultimate birthday present uh, in the game. In the game, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> what was the uh, hardest thing that you had to endure? What was the thing that made you think, "Oh, this is one step beyond anything I can cope with"? What well, was it was up there? It was uh, stress. So. They dragged us through a creek. Um, they hogtied us behind our back, threw us in the back of a pickup truck. Uh, I, I could feel my heart. You know when you're in like, you could feel your heart coming through your chest. Uh, there were flashbang grenades going off, big uh, Belgian hellhounds barking in your face. You could feel their breath on you. you got a hessian sack over your head. Uh, and I'm going, okay. In my head, I'm just telling myself, it's part of a production. Yeah. Safety through the hoo-ha here. You're going to be fine. Even rationalizing that. I'm like, this is full on. And then I had to kneel down on like this hard concrete floor. And I've gone, oh, that's enough. That's, that's that. Not my knees. Hurts me knees. <laughs> it was funny is that that was the thing. It was like, nah, yeah. this is too. I don't want to kneel down now. Look, the dog's fine. The simulated beatings I can deal with. The roughing up, even this creek water is helping me cool down, but not the knees. <laughs> not the knees. <laughs> it, was, it was like that Karma June. Should we kick him where it hurts? Oh, my knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Have, have you thought about, uh, you know, putting your hand up for the Australian version or? Well, that's the thing. They, they wouldn't. Uh, I'd love to give it another crack, but I don't think they wouldn't. They wouldn't have me for the celebrity version because. I don't have enough celebrity. Right. Um, but you know what? I've done it. I've lived it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I had a good crack and it's, it's helped reshape me. It's, it's, I know 
I know my upper limits now. And yep. when things get hard, I can go, okay, yeah, well, you've done this, you've done that. Um, yeah, and some lifelong mates, uh, it was it was great. Yeah, so it's kind of inspired me to, you know, push for greater heights and go, okay, well, there's, for example, if I'm planning a race or an adventure, I go, well, why don't you just, why don't you do the bigger one? You've done that. Right, right. Um, but it, you know, and then if you fail doing the bigger one, you just come back to the drawing board and go, all right, from everything you've learned, from all the, the from, you know, your PT bag, all of the, you know, the nutrition stuff, you know, uh, you know, the conditioning, how do you reapproach it? So I had a bit of a setback in December, yeah. an ultra marathon in Tasmania. I just simply too heavy. Right. Uh, thinking I've done the work because I'd programmed all this great kind of mobility stuff for my, my clients. So immediately I thought I've just matrixed it in my head too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. There's one thing like I can walk on most stages around the world and, you know, hash together something off the top of my head pull off you know pull off a you know pretty standard performance but you can't phone in an endurance event if you haven't done the work yeah is you know it, it bloody hurts but it made me giggle because i'm going as all these the hips tightened up the all the connectors through there the glutes the quads and i just had this kind of ironic smile on my face going these are all the areas that you've been programming beautifully for your clients. It's yeah. It's bittersweet kind of, you should have done what you said. Everyone, you know, you should have done your own work, mate. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Far out. So, uh, but you're fine now and you're heading into the Adelaide Fringe. Now, what, what do you have coming up? Like, just see if I can work it out. So you're, you're, you're a personal trainer and you, so you've got all your clients. Yep. You're training still for yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have a solo show. You have the Fat Cave, which is for anyone who hasn't been to uh, the Adelaide Fringe or, or hasn't seen you with the Fat Cave in the UK. It's essentially your variety show that you produce and host. And are you still mixed up heavily with gluttony, helping get yeah. that venue or that area rolling? Yep. True. I yeah, I've mounted two open air venues there. So yep. get along if if you're in uh, in range of Adelaide, or you come and visit there. We've got a couple of great open air spaces there where people can uh, you know just relax a, a little bit more during these crazy pandemic times. Um, yeah, I've got my late show, my solo show, but I've staggered that in the second half of the festival. So um, thing is about February, people have gone. Oh, I didn't do the New Year's resolution I was hoping to in January. And I'm going to start in February. So I've just taken on four new PT clients. Right. Great. Super inspiring. My alarm's going off at 10 to five, five days a week. And yep. then, um, the way then Saturday, Friday and Saturday are my biggest days of the week. Cause I could be on my feet, uh, you know, anywhere up to 14, 16 hours training people, doing my own stuff, bit of sleep in the afternoon. And then pretty much, I'd say seven, eight hours of constant on the go, uh, an hour show, three or four spots, and then spearheading the fat cave, which goes for two hours. Um, and it seems like a big workload, but one thing I learned um, last year is breaking up that um, journey and, and fueling like I would if it was an ultra marathon. Right. So, you know, an ultra marathon, let's just say is 100K, 
every 16 to 24K, there'll be an aid station. Right. So let's just say every 90 minutes, every two, two and two, two and a quarter hours, you're going to stop, refuel, change your shoes, reset, and carry on. And invariably, you get there if you pace yourself and, and look after yourself. So just applying that kind of knowledge, because I've got to be the sharpest bloke in the room at quarter to one in the morning. Just yeah. don't want you don't want the show to go yay and then yeah yeah because it was it was funny. But it wasn't, but it was funny because I'd start high energy and then get tired. And then the middle of the show would just be me just being all melancholic and reflective. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, dude, it's not, is it, this isn't kid A. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> come on, Tom. Pep it up, son. <laughs> yeah, you do have to kind of, uh, when, when you're hosting those things, uh, back in the day when I used to host late shows as well, it's the it's actually the most important part of the night of just, because once again, it's what you were saying before, you can't be telling the audience to have a good time. You've just got to be exhibiting a, a lightness of touch and and just yeah. be in the room and with the moment and be in control and that's actually the the most important part because those people who hang around they're probably the true believers who are going to be the ones who talk about the show the most yeah totally and look i'm always i love that scene in man on the moon uh and if if you haven't seen man on the moon you can watch you can watch jim and andy and it still scans yeah it's my treat at the end of every festival i'll watch jim and andy because i love i love how jim became um, in that sense, but also love this line in the film where um, Kaufman does some usual madness in a, in a studio audience, and then one of the line producers comes out and goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, relax, relax. You've all been part of a happening." <laughs> and I like that. I like the fact you know it's, you never know what's going to happen. It's late. It's loose. The audience is the is the secret member of the band. Yeah, um, I, I had the house lights up all the time so the audience can see the each other and enjoy. And there's pockets of there's groups that come back every year and yeah, you know every other Saturday or you know two or three times during the festival to you know to to muck around and I love that. Yeah, with that I, I've got a yeah I, I've got to bat the innings out. Yeah, you know, man. But it's so good to see that it's still thriving. Is there's a part of me that misses, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I used to do in the past. But uh, for me, it just kind of when something's done, it's done. And I, I've always had that fear of 
doing, you know, just a little bit too long with something, regardless, like whether it's the old podcast, the shelf, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's great that it uh, continues to evolve. Uh, I think that's always the trick, isn't it? As long as it's continuing to evolve, you keep coming back to it with new energy and new insight and new ways to approach it. And you can take people, uh, you know, on a, on a fascinating trip throughout these years of uh, your personal evolution. Totally, man. I think the, and the, my secret weapon the last couple of years is um, <clears throat> <at> wardrobe. <laughs> right. Covering <laughs> me clothes. I went in. It was one of my favourite moments, the uh, last fringe. You know, it's nice to have a bit of extra cash flow because, you know, I'm training people. Uh, sorry, ATO. Look, I just found it. Um, <laughs> I, I went and got myself a pair of Jordan 5. Right. Like, proper consignment jordan fives yeah they're mistake yeah. shoes and when they come off stage they go back in the box the tissue paper's still there i take care of them like i'm i'm justin hamilton the virgo these shoes <laughs> are slick and oh, i nice. wear them on stage uh and it's like and it's like uh yeah i'm an inch taller in them you know oh. but yeah i feel good that's exciting you know, and, and mixing up and then just, and just having stupid stuff to talk about. I'll just come out and just do that kind of boasting. Oh yeah, I'm looking good tonight. And not wasting trying to do topical stuff or stuff that's not going to land. I'm just meandering yeah. of the stuff. Sean, yeah. I don't, Sean, I don't care setting the room because once the room's ready, the show's ready. It's not, it's not me. Yeah. I've just got, I've just got to feel and be strong and yeah. then come on board. I know yeah now yeah but all yeah. those years chasing them you know it's late already they're not you know they they might have been dragged out by a friend they might have wanted to go home at half 10 but they made them stay to half 11 because they liked this show a couple of years ago and now they've got some mohawk headed prick going come on fuckers <laughs> well, let's go back to kent town this is yeah. this guy's full on yeah but, uh yeah less getting more through doing less if only i knew if only you could apply the parenting <laughs> i know some people who are trying to apply that it's not going well <laughs> hey yeah, be over here. yeah yeah just over there they'll sort it out all right uh mickey where can people find you for uh, the details for your show and also where can people contact you if they're looking for a personal trainer Oh, awesome. Yeah, look, get on my Instagram. I'm often putting stuff up on there, like daily story and some posts and whatnot. It's Adventure Mick. So at Adventure Mick is my Insta handle. Pop in, say g'day there. And if you're looking at it for me, if the Adelaide Fringe, I'm doing the Fat Cave. Also, 6 o'clock Mick. It's Mick, me, at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Pretty simple title. Yep. And then, hey, this is a secret just for your listeners. I Because there's not many internationals this year, yeah, I can do, I can do a pretty good, well, good enough to not get bashed. Living for a week in the docks of Edinburgh, Scottish accent, my Scottish accent, so on point. I'm appearing as a Scottish comedian this fringe, Gary McAllister. So, yeah, I I've brought in my own international comedian. Uh, so you come and see me, and, and it could be our in joke. I'm. I'm a, and all he does is like, I tell you what, you Aussies, you're fucking, you get on uh, the team. But you know what? I am fucking you. That's how you sound to me. <laughs> I lead with my second best accent and then switch into my Aussie. And they go, oh, this oh. guy. 
<laughs> this Scottish guy has an amazing Australian accent. Yeah, it's like he's been here his whole life. <laughs> do you do you wear a wig or something like that? Because you've got a mohawk at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit hard. I've, yeah. I've got like my, my granddad's Tam O'Shanter, so that should cover. <laughs> Here, yeah, just there, yeah, because everyone's gonna go, everyone's yeah. gonna go, oh, it's just uh, one of those, it's not a fucking novelty heart, it's my granddad's heart, you fucking pack of bastards, yeah, <laughs> you can try all this weed out. You tell me it's a novelty heart, it's some fucking life, you pricks. So, it, essentially, it's a license to be that asshole from 2009, but with the oh. glint, my, my tongue, my cheek, and because you can say anything, it's like that punch and duty thing, you can. You could do anything if you've got a, either a puppet or a funny accent. Oh. As long as I'm not, you know. It's yeah. not about the intent, though. He's got a kind heart, but he's. Uh, it's just yeah. nice to be able to say, you Aussie bastards. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, oh, yeah. you're a Scot. You're meant to be, even when you're in the best mood and even being quite poetic, just mildly aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> I tried, I tried one of your schnitzels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't think they made chickens that bit. <laughs> and it doesn't even need to be good gear. It's just yeah. a guy reflecting on a schnitzel. Oh, Mick or Gary, whichever one you are, that is fantastic. Uh, good luck for the Adelaide Fringe. Uh, if I get down there, you will be one of the first people that I call to let you know that I'm on my way. But uh, if not, I uh, hope to catch up with you again soon. Awesome, mate. Love you loads. Thanks heaps for having me. Next up, we have a delightful young man I met in Adelaide through some family friends. Uh, you may have heard me talk about my good pal, Damien Kilsby, that I used to do stand-up with and I entered into the world of Australian comedy with back in 1994. Oh, my Lord. That is a long time ago. Uh, we were in a duo called the Bunza Boys and we have remained uh, good friends ever since. And... I'm not only uh, friends with Damien and his wife, Sam, but I'm also friends with his daughters. I've seen them grow up. Uh, his eldest daughter is... she. She's a grown-up as well. That's mind-blowing. And uh, it was through Izzy that I met Lawrence, and he was uh, such a delightful young man. We had a great chat, and he was telling me about his new album coming out. So I thought, well, it's his first album. Why not get him on the podcast and give you guys a listen to uh, the man behind the music? And he's also been very sweet and given us one of his songs from his upcoming album, Eat Your Greens. So uh, we'll have a chat with Lawrence and then I'll swing by after that to say goodbye. I hope you enjoy this catch up with Lawrence Summerfield. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, Lawrence, but uh, I have synesthesia. So when oh, I really? hear music, yeah, I, I see colours and I was listening to your tracks and I don't know uh, what your reaction to this will be, but uh, I was seeing lots of oranges and yellows and that kind of brought me a lot of joy listening to your music and I was wondering, is that a concerted effort on your behalf or is that just a leaning that you just automatically go towards? Yeah, that's, um, that, that must just be a coincidence, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, n nothing planned there. But um, wow, that's incredible. That um, yeah, lots of oranges and yellows. Wow, that's um, I wonder what that yeah. says about my music. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it means it kind of feels uh, it, it, 
kind of ironically, it kind of fits your last name, Summerfield, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've it, never really thought about that. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny because I'll be like, uh, say, in a comedy venue and I'll be a little bit thrown because they'll be, you know, it'll be a room that has like deep purples and, and reds and stuff like that. And then I'll suddenly be, oh, Jesus, what's this music? <laughs> and the music's not matching up with the colours that I'm seeing. So sometimes it can be uh, a little bit overwhelming. Happens in movies too. They can put wow. a soundtrack up and I can be uh, kind of discombobulated by it. But on the, on the other side, uh, sometimes I can like a movie more than I should because <laughs> all the music is matching up with the colours that I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what um, was it? Sort of a, a general, um, unanimous sort of uh, color spectrum that you were seeing for yeah. sort of all of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that so, was the consistent color through all three tracks that you sent me. There you go. My sound is uh, orange and yellow. There you go. Uh, this is me saying, uh, make sure the cover's right. Actually, send it to me first, and I'll I'll tell you what artwork to use, and then yeah. uh, make sure it all matches up for for the seven people who also have what I have. So, uh, so t t tell me about uh, the the secret origin of Lawrence Summerfield. What's your family background, and how did you get into music? Oh, there's really um there's really no uh, music, um, yeah, or, or musical. Um, family uh, in my my sort of close family. Um, yep. A lot of my mum's family are lawyers or farmers, and my dad's family. Uh, I mean, my dad was um, he grew up in Stoke on Trent, and he was sort of a, a labourer, and he came here. And um, sorry, going on going on a tangent. Um, no, no. Hey, uh, if you listen to this podcast, it should be called the Tangent Cast. So do not feel bad about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so my, my, my grandfather on my dad's side, um, he used to play the accordion. Um, oh, great. Yeah, very interesting instrument. Um, and in my extended you family. Be, you have to be fit to play the accordion, don't you? Because that's, oh, yeah, uh, that's a, a lot of... It's a workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very like heavy, it, yeah. It, it looks really heavy and it feels like yeah. uh, all, this, uh, you know, all this work with bands, etc. Play the accordion, mate. That'll get the uh, <laughs> that'll get the lung capacity up and the strength. Yeah, yeah. My my dad's picked up the accordion. I think he was inspired recently. Um, you know, with memories of his of his father. So right. Um, so yeah, yeah. I've, I have played one, um, and they're very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's um. It's a whole. It's a whole different beast to what I'm used to playing. Like you know, piano and and guitar. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And so he was. Uh, so that's your foot kind of musical connection in the family. Yeah, um, in in my extended family, there are some uh, some sort of artists. Um, uh, we have uh, one of my ugh, one of my cousin's spouses. Uh, she's um, she's done a lot of fringe work uh, and that sort of thing, um, sort of comedy shows and loosely musical. And um, there there are a few musicians, but really um, really don't have too many uh, family connections. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. So this is, is, is this your uh, artistic rebellion against the family? It's like, I'm not going to <laughs> go into business. I'm going to be the artist. But then at the same time, writing really joyful music. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a rebellion. Um, <laughs> it's sort of, it sort of comes very naturally um, to me. Yeah. Uh, the, 
in terms of, I, I suppose what I would call my, my secret origin um, is uh, we have this family friend um, from England and he would come around to Australia for holidays and he would bring his uh, MacBook. And as a, as a small child, this blew my mind. He had GarageBand. Um, right. And yeah. that, that was my first exposure to, I suppose, what, what you might call music production. So, uh, yeah, I was making, you know, crappy little beats on GarageBand. And, um, and I suppose, yeah, that just stuck. And when I found out that music production was a real thing and you could download software for it and I was all over it. Yeah. So I've been sort of producing uh, since I was quite young, if you can call it producing. So, yeah. yeah. That's definitely producing. And uh, that's so exciting as well. Can I... Um... I hope you haven't done this, and I, I, I'm I'm very angry at my younger self for having done this in the past. But hold on to all of that music, even when you listen back to your first stuff. And you know when, like I'd listen to my first kind of routines, or, or uh, I'd read my first lot of writing, and my first reaction would be, "Oh, I'm about to vomit. This is awful." <laughs> but then. And then I lost a lot of stuff just through being a bit lazy or just being a bit, oh, no, I've moved on. And now that I'm older, I look back and I think, oh, damn, I could have really used that because you have enough time removed from it that you don't feel that embarrassed because it feels like a different person and it's quite sweet when you hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like someone else has uh, has done it. Yeah, I I definitely get that. Um, And yeah, even for the sort of inspiration side of things, I think looking back on some old work and maybe finding a concept or idea that you um, were trying to to tease out, even if the uh, writing or the music isn't uh, isn't terribly deep or or good, yeah, um, yeah, just just maybe <laughs> a feeling that you were capturing or something is um, is worth plucking out and and maybe employing somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely uh, times where you, you kind of look back and you see, you, you can see the kernel of a great idea, but the idea at that point was a little bit beyond what you could do. And so it's fun to go back and re explore it and, you know, bring your level of experience and maturity to the work now. And uh, you, yeah, you're right. You will find some fascinating stuff back there. What were the, what were the first songs you were writing? Uh, what were they kind of about? What were, they, what were your interests at this point? <laughs> well, um, if we're talking about those really early days uh, on GarageBand, um, I was sort of just um, throwing sounds together and um, just, just making, I suppose, yeah, just making music. Um, you know, a lot of like, pre-made loops that they had in there and um that sort of thing at that point i didn't i didn't know how to play an instrument but um once i um once i sort of learned how to song write a little bit better and then was actually playing uh the keyboard um i suppose i just started writing whatever i was feeling at the time uh, a lot of my early stuff was based more on um uh, almost like fictitious ideas i would sort of have stories that i would tell through music Right. Um, That's so interesting. Now, can you can you give us an on. example of one? Um, let's think. Putting well, it on the uh, spot uh, here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there was a song that I wrote um, uh, a very long time ago called "We Called We Won't," um, and it was sort of about um, the the pressure to be. Uh, uh, the pressure to sort of fit into um, a societal mold or, or the pressure to sort of be squashed into um, 
what's expected of you, that sort of thing, a, a sort of generational thing, the, the older generation um, impressing their cynicism onto the younger generation and the younger generation responding with optimism. Um, and I'd Holy never... shit! What, 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 hang on a sec. No, 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 no. What, what, what are you saying to me, Lawrence? Like, you, this is what you're meant to write for your first song. Mum and Dad, they, they're bullying me and uh, I want a girlfriend. That's what you're meant to be. Like, that is crazy. That's your, one of your earliest songs. That's a, that's a big concept. Well, yeah, it's a big concept, but um, I think it's sort of fluffy because um, I'd never had any experience with, um, <laughs> with like, uh, societal oppression or I'd never, you know, it was just... Um, it was just an, like a, a, a fic, it's, it was fiction in my mind, you know. It was yeah. this, oh, this is a, a cool, this is a cool story. It wasn't like a, a personal experience. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's certainly a bit of a a, a whack concept, but um, it, I feel like there's actually not much to it uh, deep down. Oh no, I'm I'm super impressed. <laughs> like you know, damn it. Like when when I started off, and you know, uh, you know, my uh, ex comedy partner Damien, well, you yeah. know. We were, we were, the second ever song that we ever did on stage was we changed the lyrics from Everlasting Love to Everlasting Thrush. Comedy gold, Lawrence, comedy gold. <laughs> so, you know, I'm super impressed with this, but it also speaks to you, uh, where your music is now, funnily enough, because you're, even in that concept, you're looking at something that's optimistic and moving towards something that's uh, got a, a, a little bit more positivity towards it. So that's kind of fascinating, right? There you go. Yeah, there's always um, sort of a beginning for, for everything. So I suppose, yeah, even back then, there's um, still some common things that are reflected in my, my, my music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you kind of knew how to... Uh, oh, sorry. How old are you when you're doing this as well? Uh, that one was when I was maybe 14 or 15, that, that, that song. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. So you kind of knew how to produce just before you uh, were learning how to play instruments. Is that correct? Um, so when I was, uh, oh, eight, I think, uh, when I was eight, I had piano yeah. lessons, um, and yeah. maybe when I was yeah, eight to nine and I hated them. Um, yeah. oh God, they, they were just grinding and, yeah. uh, the, the, I didn't connect with any of the music and all these like, you know, really simplistic classic, uh, classical pieces. And, um, so I was just <laughs> begging my parents, like, please stop making me go to these. And me and my brother were the same. We were both having them and just hated it uh yeah <laughs> so so we stopped and and i wasn't um i wasn't touching anything musical for a few right. more years um until i was maybe 11 um 10 or 11 i'm not sure uh where we were we were at the adelaide show and um there was this keyboard booth and um and i don't know just on a whim uh we bought one i was with my parents and yeah we just bought one and took it home and um i just started uh teaching myself so I'm sort of self-taught um, from when I was maybe 11 years old. Um, oh wow! So I was I was playing instruments, um, but then um, I honestly can't remember what got me into production. But uh, I found about I found out about this uh, this program FL Studio. Um, I just downloaded it and watched some YouTube tutorials on on how to use it, and and I was uh, I was off. Yeah. That's one of the positivities of the internet now where once upon a time uh, learning these skills was kind of uh, pre-internet. It was a bit mystical. It's like, oh, who knows? And you'd have to know that, you know, that kind of guru who would take you in and reveal this world to you. And now you can be like in your bedroom thinking, fuck, how do you do that? YouTube. Oh, that's how you do it. 
guess what I'll do? That. <laughs> and suddenly yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of more like a democracy of uh, artistic uh, achievement now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great uh, that if someone's feeling creative or, or artistic, if they've, if they've got that inherent nature, they can find some sort of outlet for it. Um, that being said, there are a lot of um, like the, the, the industry is swamped with um, right. amateur producers um, that may, maybe uh, back in the day um, before we could, before, before people could sort of satisfy their own, um, yeah. they, they could, they could find that education somewhere online. Um, they would have probably been considered to not have really earned their right to call themselves a producer. Oh, Lawrence, you are preaching to the choir, my friend. Uh, you know, I've hosted raw comedy uh, finals, you know, and, uh, you know, it's some person doing their third gig and they'll get on stage and they'll say, let me tell you what life is like as a comedian. And you're like, this is your third fucking gig. What do you know? <laughs> like, I, I had been a comedian for seven years and my accountant uh, told me, hey, you can't put bartender down as your occupation anymore because you've been earning money from comedy for and making a living from it for like five years now right. and yeah. to me it was like oh seems a bit audacious but okay <laughs> <laughs> and 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 ask graphic designers as well you know like people who have studied to be graphic designers and now you or uh you know you someone will say oh, i do graphic design as well and then they show you a poster and there's seven different fonts and <laughs> it's yeah, like what yeah. is happening <laughs> yeah well, that's the thing, I suppose. Um, a lot of uh, artists have that that um, that that problem with judging self worth, and and wh wh at what point can you call yourself a musician uh, or, or a yeah. comedian or, or a graphic designer? You know, at what point? Um, and and yeah, I guess seven years. That's um, that's what it took. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> emotionally for me, it probably says a lot more about the uh, the ch uh, fish and chip on my shoulder, but. Uh... <laughs> So, so what was your, uh, what was the music that you were listening to as a kid? And I, and I asked this with a bit of trepidation because uh, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but you, you hit a certain age and your musical knowledge kind of stops with new stuff. So you might mention some <laughs> artists that I will be like, uh, never heard of them, but, but throw them my way and I'll see if I don't embarrass myself. Sure, sure. Um, well, I had such a a broad um, exposure uh, to, to lots of different music when I was growing up. Um, uh, and and that, that's definitely evident uh, in my music taste today. Like I have, uh, you know, an incredibly broad taste in music. Um, so, yeah, I was listening to, you know, we had friends and they showed us ACDC, you know, that, that's right. rock. Yeah. Um, and, and like Led Zeppelin, um, classic rock. And um <laughs> and then, then we had, um, you know, the, the stuff that was popular at the time, sort of in the, the, the 2010s, um, in the early 2000s, like uh, uh, Jason Derulo and, and um, yeah. Owl City, um, like really sort of schlocky um, dance pop and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, then we had, um, we, you know, we were playing a lot of video games. So there was all this orchestral music um, right. that we were exposed to as well. And, and yeah. <clears throat> uh, so list, like listing uh, uh, individual artists is kind of hard for me because um, there are just so many um, that, that have had an influence um, on my music taste and, and, and my music, uh, the, the music that I make as well. 
Yeah, that's great. I think that's actually a good thing because then it, uh, what you do is you, you filter your interests and uh, through the prism of you and then what you make is definitively yours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I would like to think that I have um, a fairly unique sound when it comes to my, my production and my, my music, yeah. Um, people ask me uh, when I you know tell them I make music, they say, oh, well, who do you sound like? And I really struggle to answer that question because I have no idea who I sound like. I just sound like me. Yeah, you should say, I sound like this artist, Lawrence Summerfield. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I refer to myself. You know, there's me hanging out, and then there's me as the artist kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to go back to the the video game side of things. Uh, I made a very concerted effort as someone who is uh, the type of person when I get into something, I get right into it, and I made a definitive decision at a point in my young life to avoid video games because I know how obsessive I can get. So I, I don't quite know what you mean when you say, uh, you know, the orchestral music that was being played in video games. Can you uh, explain that to me a little bit more, please? Uh, yeah. So, um, so uh, have you heard of the, the Elder Scrolls series? Uh, yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So there was Skyrim and um, it was uh, one of the only um, MA15 plus games that I was like allowed to play as a as a, a younger than 15 kid um, right uh and and there's such a beautiful score to that um that game um it's just it's breathtaking um and and that it just yeah it really inspired me i suppose like the the sound of of that the soundscape um that that orchestral score um uh sort of had and cr- really right. created an atmosphere um uh, you know, then there's the gimmicky stuff like uh, like the Pokemon music, um, that sort of right. stuff, the really uh, chip tune um, uh, style of music. Um, yeah. Even even just like web games on um, uh, that you would play at school, they always uh, seem to the music in those games really seem to sort of speak to me because um, there was something about it that was just really um, it's like carnival music. You know, it's just it's really right. um, it sort of draws you in and and it's 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 sort of eccentric and wacky. So. Yeah, just I suppose it really stuck with me. Ah, that's fascinating. Is that, uh, you know, on your checklist of things you would like to do in your career, is that something at some point you would uh, really embrace, the idea of, uh, you know, creating your own music for a video game? Well, uh, yeah, um, perhaps. Um, I'm, sure that, um, I'm sure that if a classical musician heard me saying this, they'd be mortified. But um, <laughs> I, I do sort of compose... Uh, sort of on the side, um, little orchestral pieces. Um, sometimes they're for like little short stories that I've written. Sometimes they're just for fun. Um, yeah. I like to think I'm okay, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if there was an actual composer listening to me talk about this with, you know, no classical training under my belt, they'd probably be horrified. But uh, yeah, so I already do sort of uh, produce and, and compose little um, pieces of orchestral music. And, and yeah, they, they could... Um, I, I could see myself um, perhaps composing for a game or even a movie. I'm not, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, well, that's funny that you uh, say that. And by the way, if there's anyone out there who's listening to this podcast, who's creating a video game, get in touch with me. I'll give you Lawrence's details and let's get this ball rolling. But I actually had uh, written down one of the uh, things I wanted to ask you is uh, I know you're right at the start of your career and, you know, you're releasing your first album and all this uh, stuff. And so I'm talking way in the future, but 
you know, you look at people like, uh, you know, the band members from Radiohead, you look at uh, the uh, success that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross have had together. Do you kind of look at movies and think, wow, that would be like an ultimate goal to, to create a soundtrack for a whole film? Um, it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's not necessarily an ultimate goal, um, but it's, um, it's sort of, there are lots of things that I do want to do in my life. And yeah. uh, I would definitely say that like composing a score uh, that would be, that would be incredible. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's a balancing act because, um, you know, I I want to be a solo artist. That's that, that is, that is, I suppose my ultimate goal to be a successful, uh, musician. Um, and then, you know, to then do a, a movie score seems, um, it seems down uh, the track. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there there are lots of things, um, you know, uh, I, um, I write as well. And, and one thing I would love to do at some point in my life is, is publish, um, this, uh, trilogy that I've, I've had this idea, uh, sort of brewing for years and years. Uh, but, but once again, it's sort of, when can I do it? Uh, yeah. is it going to clash with any sort of image that I'm creating? That sort of thing. So, yeah. 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 You have to, uh, make a choice. I was very much, uh, you know, in a similar boat, you know, I, I loved comedy. I've wanted to write books, you know, it's, there's sometimes, having lots of interests can if you have to be careful that sometimes it can almost uh stop you from creating anything or or you know uh you get into a rhythm like one of the things that I look back on I don't think it's necessarily a mistake but I I would have done things mildly differently was I got into the annual uh create a brand new stand-up comedy show every year for you know like it was probably like 20 years, you know, and that's, that's hard, you know, coming up with a new show, coming up with new ideas, coming up with a new take. And uh, yeah, wow. it, it, it kind of stopped me from doing a few other things, which is what I'm uh, doing more now. But uh, if, you, if you can kind of be aware of that, try not to uh, get caught in, a, in an ongoing routine because then the <laughs> years pass and you're like, holy shit, like, where, where did all that time go? So yeah. if you have these interests, it's good to keep noodling uh, with the side projects and, and make sure you make time for them, is my old man advice. That's good advice, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, when you're uh, – so what's uh, – are you, are you okay to talk about the trilogy idea or is this something um, that you yeah, want to – Yeah, absolutely. What was your trilogy idea? <laughs> um, oh, it all started long ago. Um, I was in year six. Uh, it's a very, um, it's an idea that I've had to sort of beat into submission uh, because it, when I was so young, when I thought of it, um, uh, it's um, quite, uh, it, well, it started off being quite an immature kind of concept, like very right. tropey, YA, uh, just schlocky, um, uh, it, the kind of novel that any teenager would want to write, um, but yeah. but the kind of novel that there are like thousands of them already. So um, right, yeah. So it's it's um, very sort of typical. Uh, there are people, and some some people have uh, have like supernatural powers. Right. Um, so yeah, that like that that sort of concept in itself is very very overdone. Um, but uh, in my writing, I like to focus on uh, characters and and sort of yeah that's the the thing that that makes that story unique is the 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 rich characters um so yeah the the idea for the trilogy was um uh each book uh is a new protagonist um and it's they're set within 
uh, they're set three years after the the one before it. Right. And it's sort of uh, the chronicle of uh, there's this corporation um, and they, they're sort of a, a global superpower um, and they take in these people with their uh, abilities. Um, they create jobs. They have, you know, military force, um, uh, first responders. Like they, they pretty much do everything. Um, and they, they're, they're corrupt and uh, it, the characters slowly figure out that they are corrupt and, and there's a lot of sort of political intrigue within this corporation, people with ambition uh, vying to, to be the new CEO, uh, that sort of thing. And, and, um, and yeah, so they sort of end up toppling this uh, empire that um, this, this, this corporation has, has created. Um, that, yeah, that's Sounds sort of great. A, the broad <laughs> yeah. concept. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, like uh, invariably everything, once you boil it down, has been done. And once again, it's through the prism of who you are is yeah. what makes it what it is. <laughs> and also the, the fact is, is that if you wrote those as books, you could write accompanying albums that go with it as well. So you could kind of <laughs> hit it from all sorts of angles, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's uh, have you been performing live uh, or been able to perform live or is this all kind of studio based at this point? At this point, it's all studio based. Um, very recently, I've um, finally accrued the gear that I actually need to perform, um, which I, I just haven't. Yeah, so I haven't been able to perform because um, I had no money, so I couldn't uh, afford um, sort of professional uh equipment yeah um, so I've, yeah very recently got my hands on like a, a real stage piano stage keyboard um uh proper interface uh all the stuff here proper um microphone um so live performance is definitely something that i uh am, am heading towards that's exciting that's really exciting it is yeah nerve-wracking but exciting it, yeah well that that means you know have you ever, this is probably, did you ever watch the Warner Brothers cartoons uh, when you were a kid? I don't know if they still played on TV, but there was a, there was a, a Warner Brothers cartoon years ago called, uh, uh, had the gambling bug in it. And it's this cat that doesn't want to gamble. And every time the bug bites its ear, you hear this music. And then the cat can't help but gamble. And I always think of that with performing. Like I'll see like, say I see someone doing their first stand-up gig and then you see them get a couple of laughs, then you'll see them get one particular laugh and I'll see it in their eyes and I'll look at them and I'll think, they're fucked because they have now got, you know, that desire to perform. And that, yeah, and that's what will happen. You know, you'll be, you'll be nervous, you'll be a bit, you know, you'll be a few songs in, you'll be finding your feet and then there'll just be that one moment where you're like, I'm going to live forever and uh, <laughs> it'll be on. So that'll be exciting. You'll have to let me know uh, when you're doing gigs uh, in, in Adelaide when I'm home. So I'll, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come along and uh, bring up the average age of your audience to, you know, something <laughs> in the mid thirties. Uh, what, what's your process when you write a song? Do you have, uh, do you have like the music kind of in your head and then you work out what the feeling is and then you write lyrics? Do you, have like a couple of lines and you look at the the words that you've written and then think, oh, I think that kind of inspires this kind of sound or do you just kind of go with the flow? I, I guess I go with the flow. Um, yeah. It's it's never really the same process for every song. Um, 
I suppose one common thing that I do come back to is I, I like to, um, I like to get my drums sort of out of the way. Um, for some reason, I just always gravitate, you know, I'll get my, my basic melodies and, and harmony ideas down. Um, and then I really sort of dive into the, the drum sound, the, the actual production. Um, not sure why I've ended up doing that, but, um, yeah, I always sort of, um, uh, like to focus on my drums, but in terms of the songwriting process, um, I suppose it's, um, it's all just, uh, based off of, uh, the inspiration, right? I suppose everyone is, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have one particular idea and sometimes it's, a, a more whole idea. Sometimes it's a very sort of shallow idea that I need to really, uh, sort of tease out. Um, yeah, yeah I, one of the songs on the album is um, Shower Curtain. Um, uh, that that was three different ideas that I had for sort of se- separate songs that I ended up right. just going, well, why can't I turn this into one? Um, right. I thought of I a, a line. Yeah, I thought of a line. Um, and then I I thought of a, 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 that was for, you know, one song. And then I was working on something else. And then there's some, this piano melody, this this, you know, this chord progression came to me. And I went, oh, that, that's that's fun. I'll, I'll keep that idea somewhere. And then, um, and then I thought of this little uh, guitar noodling, uh, little plucking uh, melody, and, and I put that down. And, and eventually, I just went, this this is a song. This is, I've got a song here. It's, I just thought it was three different songs at first. Yeah, fascinating. Well, you know, you, you hear about artists doing that all the time. It's like, I've got a little bit over here, a little bit over there. You know, uh, I even do that with stand up sometimes. Sometimes you'll realize that three different. Uh, little parts that you've written are thematically linked and then you you know squish them all together and it becomes one big thing and it's it's uh the creative process is exciting isn't it when that kind of stuff really clicks yeah oh it's it's wonderful yeah those little moments um that, that really excite you i think that's um i think that's such a great feeling and you just you sort of sit back and look at what you've done and you go wow that's this is great. Yeah, I like yeah. this. Yeah, today is a win because <laughs> there's those <laughs> yeah. days also where you're looking and going, you know, like once again, using uh, comedy as an example, sometimes you'll see one line in a newspaper article and a seven-minute routine will come up. And then other times you'll read a whole story about a clown was walking down the street, slipped on a banana, hit its nuts on a pole, and then a crow came down and shit on its head. And I'll look at it and go, I know there's something funny in it, but I can't work out what it is. And that is the creative process summed up for me. Yeah, so, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it's a it's a real effort uh the, the yeah, three really. songs that you, you've sent to me eat your greens breathe you carried away uh you know a couple of those are works in progress uh that you've sent me but uh yeah. you know even the works in progress i really uh, loved uh the lyrics to breathe you very romantic i thought uh, very sweet uh you know what's it like when when you're uh, playing that kind of music to your friends do you sit there and you're uh, is there any trepidation or are your friends just totally open to the stuff when it's like that oh i'm uh, i'm terrified of playing music to my friends justin they um they <laughs> they they tear me to shreds yeah right <laughs> yeah no it's um I, i'm sort of the only um uh, a musician in our group, really. Um, we, yeah. have, we have a couple uh, friends who, you know, they play instruments, but I'm, I'm sort of the only one that really puts himself out there uh, and, yeah. and, and and makes this kind of vulnerable music. Um, yeah. So I suppose for me, that that's what the music really is. It's sort of uh, opening up my my chest and showing people my heart. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they roast the hell out of it, yeah. Um, right. 
yeah oh no Lawrence's music is on up you know and then he acts like he's going to throw his speaker out the window that kind of thing yeah so um <laughs> no that's good if it's uh, if it makes you feel uh, a little bit nervous it means you're going in the right direction like if you're if you're presenting it and it's like I feel pretty good about this you've probably mildly underachieved. So I think a bit of trepidation is, uh, is a good thing. Are you, uh, one of the songs that I heard, uh, I was in the car with um, uh, Izzy and her parents. Actually, Izzy wasn't there, but I was in the car with uh, her parents and I heard the song that she had sung on and it's like, her voice is beautiful. Like, are oh, you going to really be able is. to... Yeah, you like... like I'm asking permission from you. Do you need me to bully her into more singing? Because she's got, she's got some real talent. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, not, um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but um, she may be working on, on a little something. She may be working on a little project of her own. Yeah. Ooh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So um, well, I, think, uh, I think you should. Uh, I think she needs all the bullying uh, she can get um, to really motivate her. Um, yeah. In a nice way, of course, but... Oh yeah, no, no, no. Of course, it's uh, it's uh, bullying with uh, a lowercase b <laughs> and uh, a size eight font. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, but uh, two quick questions before you go. You made Angus. Uh, I've heard that he's hurt his finger. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He um what? he was working on a roof. Um, yeah. For his job. Um, yeah. He slipped, uh, and um, the corrugated sheet caught his pinky oh uh, shit. and sliced it right through the first knuckle so oh my god <laughs> yeah wow well can you tell angus uh, from me uh, please look after yourself uh he might not realize it but he like no, no more parts of his body can come off you know what i mean I'll like it's going to be it's going to be a disaster when he buys gloves. There's always just going to be this one little floppy bit at the end but uh, please pass on my uh, best to him as well uh where can people find you and uh, when is uh, uh, your album coming out? Uh, so the album's out uh, on the 18th of May, 2022, yep. um, in all stores. So, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, yep. Tidal, all of them. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, at Lawrence Summerfield. Facebook, at Lawrence Summerfield Music. Um, yep. Twitter as well, um, Lawrence Sums. Uh, username was too long for Twitter, so had to shorten right. it. Right, <laughs> yep. Goddamn Twitter, <laughs> always, always. <laughs> making people change their names. Uh, that's great. Well, we'll uh, we'll put some posts on uh, the Big Squid Facebook page, and I'll, I'll put it on the socials, and we'll we'll get it out there. And uh, look, if you're up for it, I'd love for you to come back and uh, tell me where you're at, and uh, closer to when the album comes out, we'll give it a little bit of a push. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, a real treat to uh, finally uh, meet you and get to hang out with you. Uh, I love the tracks that you sent me and uh, I, I wish you all the best uh, in, in the next couple of months. And, uh, you know, let's, let's get it out there. Let's, uh, yeah. let's make all of this happen. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and, and same to you. Yeah, it was amazing to, to finally sit down and have a chat. Yeah. Yeah, let's do more of it. Thanks, Lawrence.
Mama said, eat your greens, go to bed. Tomorrow's gonna be a big day. Mama said, live your dreams, be the best. Go to sleep, get your strength, cause you'll need all you get. Mama said, eat your greens, go to bed. Thank you to Mickey D and Lawrence Summerfield for being my guests on today's show. Make sure you check out Mickey at the Adelaide Fringe in which, whichever persona he is exhibiting on stage. Don't be surprised if you see him uh, performing as a Scotsman and then he sp- speaks to you with a very broad, ah, g'day, mate, Australian accent. And then uh, when Lawrence is about to drop his album, I'll give you a heads up about where you can find that too. Also, a big thank you to James for being our latest Patreon subscriber. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Twin Peaks episode next week. If you're not a member of the Patreon, please head over to the site and check it out. But uh, if money is tough, and uh, the last few years have been a struggle, but sometimes you feel like you'd like to contribute, a top review on whichever platform you use to listen to Big Squid is always welcome. And also, you know what? Just by listening is also fantastic. So thank you. Uh, remember to check out thebigsquidpod.com where it will redirect you to my personal site where you can find a new blog. I'm back Thursday with our first episode of Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. So I look forward to catching up with you then. Let's finish today's podcast with a quote from Pedro Almodovar. I saw his new film, Parallel Mothers, uh, just a couple of days ago. So I have a lot of Almodovar on my mind of late. By the way, I loved, loved the film. 
and uh, maybe we'll talk about that on the podcast. But anyway, I was uh, just doing some, you know, reading and uh, catching up on some of his stuff, and I found this quote that I wanted to share with you. Yes, women are stronger than us. They face more directly the products that confront them, and for that reason, they are much more spectacular to talk about. I don't know why I am more interested in women, because I don't go to any psychiatrist, and I don't want to know why. Great quote. Love it. I'll speak to you on Thursday. Until then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.